many of you feel like you're in a fight right now? Anybody? Yeah, so much going on around us. How many of you feel maybe like you've been a little beat up lately? Yeah, our nation kind of as a whole. It's been a rough run. Um, we have been talking in this series called The Fight, really about the fight behind the fight. We're focusing on spiritual warfare and uh, what's happening behind the curtain, really, that's manifesting itself in challenge and conflict and struggle uh, in our lives. Uh, this morning's message is entitled, The Truth About Temptation. The Truth About Temptation. Temptation is man's oldest problem and Satan's most effective tool. Uh, without it, uh, there would have been no original sin, and there would be no mess that we now find ourselves in. And so this morning, I want to talk about temptation, and I want to talk about the predictable pattern that Satan uses to tempt us and how we can fight that battle. I love what the great theologian Mae West said about temptation. She said, I generally avoid temptation unless I just can't resist it. <laughs> can't you just hear her saying that? Those of you who know who Mae West is, actually. Um, how many of you can relate to that? Man. But on a serious note, what do you have trouble resisting right now? And we all have those areas of weakness in our lives when it comes to temptation. We all have those areas uh, that really have a bullseye on them for the enemy uh, to attack. What are you having trouble resisting right now? Temptation falls under the category of testing in the Scripture. And so make no mistake about it, when you're tempted, you are being tested. And there are two types of testing in the Bible. Trials and temptations. Temptations are designed by the enemy to pull you away from God and ultimately to destroy you. Everything you're tempted by ultimately is put in place for destruction. But trials... Trials are challenges that God uses and sometimes exploits. Doesn't necessarily create or cause, but He uses them and exploits your circumstances through the trial to draw you into a closer relationship with Him. The Scripture says clearly that God does not tempt us. Do you hear me? If you're being tempted... It's not coming from the Father, it's coming from the enemy. It's important to remember that it's not a sin to be tempted. We're all tempted. Jesus was tempted. It's only a sin when we give in. It's also important to remember that this side of heaven will never be sinless. But we can sin less and make better choices when it comes to the temptations 
that we face. Regardless of how mature you are in the faith, how long you've been walking with Christ, you will never outgrow temptation. Amen? As a matter of fact, the more mature you are and the greater threat you are to the enemy, the more temptation he will send your way to try to derail you, to try to neutralize you for the gospel. Paul told the Corinthians this, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he said, There is no temptation that has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful, he said. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. That's good news, isn't it? We don't have to cave. We don't have to give in. No matter what that temptation is, He's not going to give us more than we can handle, more than we can bear, more than we cannot choose His way in. But when you are tempted, He'll provide a way out so that you can stand up underneath it. And normally it's not a way that you can figure out in your own mind. It's a way that God places before you in the midst of that temptation when you're looking to Him and to Him alone, as Beth said, for the Holy Spirit's power in the midst of that thing. He's going to give you an escape hatch, and that's good news. Temptation is a part, as Paul says here, of the universal human experience. No one is immune to it. Jesus was not immune to temptation. And no one wins the battle every time except Jesus. So no matter what temptation you struggle with, Paul says it's common to man. No matter what kind of shame or self-rejection the enemy attaches to your temptations, you are not alone. Remember, that's one of his greatest tools is isolation. Making you feel like, man, because I'm tempted in this particular arena or because I'm drawn to this or because my weakness is this or because I've done this or I've seen this or I've been there, he wants to import shame. And he does that through isolation. When you think, man, I'm the only one. Nobody could relate to this. And he brings in this self-rejection and this shame to just break you down in the midst of that. Man, you are not alone. I am not alone in the temptations that I face. Others are tempted in the same way. There is no temptation that has come upon you that is not common to man. And sometimes it's just comforting to know. To know that you're in good company. To know that you are not alone. Man, no matter what comes our way, God promises that we've got what it takes to overcome it. And we have what it makes, what it takes to make the right choice, regardless of the temptation that you face. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you can overcome the temptations that you face? Man, that's step one. Just trusting God, trusting the power of God that resides within those who have by faith invited Christ into their lives. Where do you need to be reminded of that this morning? That you can overcome this. That you don't have to fold to temptation. 
that you are not at the mercy of your temptations. That through the power of Christ in you, you can push back and win those battles. God promises that He will make a way for you to choose His way every time. But you've got to exercise that option, allowing the Spirit to lead and inviting the Spirit to lead instead of giving in to the flesh in those situations. James tells us this in James chapter 1. He said, God cannot be tempted by evil. God is not tempted. Nor does He tempt anyone. But each one is tempted, watch the progression, when by His own evil desire, the flesh, He is dragged away and enticed... And then after desire has conceived, I think I'm going to do that. I'm tempted. I'm moving in that direction. I have a desire to move in that direction. And then that desire is conceived. Okay, I'm heading in that direction. It gives birth to sin. That's how it happens. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to what? Death. The wages of sin is death. And that's why Jesus had to come to pay the price for our sin on the cross so that we could live. The process of temptation always follows this predictable pattern that ends in death. It ends in the death of a marriage. It ends in the death of your finances. It ends in the death of your character or your integrity, the death of your career. And ultimately, if the enemy has his way, the death of your soul. And we see this pattern develop, really, for the first time in Genesis chapter 3. If you've got your Bibles with you this morning, or you've got your phone or a, a pad, go ahead and turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. We'll have these scriptures up on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. But Genesis chapter 3 gives us a template if you will, for temptation. And it's the template that Satan uses every single time. So it's important for us as followers of Christ to recognize it. He's got no new tricks, okay? You remember we talked last week, it's so important to know the devil's schemes. He's got no new tricks, but he has perfected the old ones. Genesis chapter 3 is... The fall of man. God has created uh, the world. He has created all that's in it. He has created Adam. He has created Eve. Genesis chapter 1 and 2. And then Genesis chapter 3 is the fall. It's the fall from this ideal, perfect environment, perfect fellowship and relationship with God into sin through disobedience of what God had told Adam and Eve in the garden. And so we see this template here that the enemy comes in the form of a, certain, a serpent. And we see a threefold pattern emerge. First and foremost, he brings doubt. He always brings doubt. He plants a seed of doubt in your mind and in your heart. Then he moves, taking advantage of that doubt... To deception, he moves to a lie to keep you off balance. And once you have bought the lie, he takes you to a turn. 
He takes you to a detour away from what God's path is for your life. So first and foremost, doubt. Doubt. Satan causes you to question what God has clearly conveyed. Are you with me? Satan causes you to question God's Word and God's truth. His pattern is age-old, and it has not changed one bit. He causes you to question God Himself, even the existence of God, or what God has said and the truth of it. And so Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now the serpent, this is the enemy in the form of a serpent, was more crafty than any of the other animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, this is Eve, he said, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Doubt. Did God really say? Did, did God say that? Do you think? God means that. He's planting this seed of doubt. And the woman says to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it. And God didn't say that. She's off balance at this point, and, and she's misinterpreting what God, God didn't tell her not to touch. He said, You must not touch it, or you will die. And so Satan's template for temptation always begins with doubt. And Eve is off balance at this point. Let me ask you something this morning. Where is the enemy dripping doubt into your life today? Especially when it comes to what God has said and who God is. Maybe it has to do with your worth or your value as a child of God. Maybe it has to do with the security of your salvation, that you, you're insecure in Christ in, in thinking that there's absolutely no way that you can lose your salvation. It's interesting, Kim and I, Kim's car died. Uh, this week, and so uh, we're doing, you know, one of our favorite things, and that's car shopping. It's just like, oh my gosh, it's driving a nail through my forehead. It's just, I mean, exhausting, and just so much out there, um, and a lot of temptation. I mean, it's like, man, I'd like, what's that payment? Uh, you know, but my gracious, but we're car shopping yesterday, and it's just brutal, and um, we're, we're at the second dealership that uh, we had been to um, yesterday. And, and I had my Tapestry Community Church mask on, you know. And so, uh, they're, they're, so the, the salesman begins to, he's telling us about the cars and everything. And he looks at my mask and he goes, oh, do you, do you, do you go to Tapestry? And I said, he was familiar with, with where we are and all that. And he said, yeah, I go to this church and what have you. And, and suddenly... He quit talking about cars, which I'm all about. Let's talk about Jesus, you know. But Kim's looking for a car, you know. And, and, and he just turned, and it was just all about his relationship with Christ, which I was glad to talk to him about. But the interesting, the interesting thing is he, he was just completely insecure in his salvation. 
Okay, he was a believer. He had been a believer since he was a child. He went to Bob Jones University, raised in a real primitive Baptist type of an environment. And, and it had caused him in this legalistic environment to, const, to constantly doubt his salvation. And so he's asking me theological questions about, you know, I mean, how do we know once we give our lives to Christ that, that, that our salvation is secure? And, and, that, and, and so, you know, and by this time, Kim's test driving the vehicle. I'm inside her in the front seat. He's in the back. He's not paying any attention to her. He's not even telling her where to go. And we weren't really familiar with the area. And... And I'm trying to divert him back, and I thought, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to help this guy, or do you want me to help Kim figure out what car she wants, you know? And, and so, so, you know, I, I, I kind of poured some scripture into him. I said, brother, man, what, what, that's, that's what Christ's atonement is all about. That's what the cross is all about. You are fully forgiven because of the price that Jesus has paid at the cross. It's not up to you. It's not about you. It's not what you do. It's about Him. And just the fact that you're this concerned about it tells me that you're walking with God. If you weren't concerned about it, don't, then, then, then we've got a problem here. But he's deeply concerned about it. But man, that kind of stuff poured into you from the early stages of your life, it will just ruin you and it's hard to shake. That kind of legalism. And so we, we, we continued to, to move down that path. And I told him, brother, man, nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Absolutely nothing. But Satan had planted that seed of doubt in him, tempting him his entire life to doubt God's Word to doubt his own salvation, to lay his head down every night on the pillow wondering if he died that night, would he go to heaven or wouldn't he go to heaven? Do you think that that's God's will for his children? Absolutely not. It was a fascinating conversation, and I hoped it helped because we didn't buy the car. <laughs> so this threefold template of temptation, it moves from doubt that we see the enemy planting this doubt in Eve's mind. Did God really say? Did he really say? Did he really say your salvation's secure? And then it moves to deception, where Satan slides in the lie. Watch this. Verse 4, Genesis 3. Satan says, oh, Eve, no, 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 no. You, you, you'll not surely die. It's not that big a deal. Just go ahead and... Take the fruit and eat it. For God knows that when you eat of it, boy, there's going to be a benefit here. When God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. Doesn't everybody want that? Knowing good and evil. Let me ask you something this morning. What lie is Satan dropping into your life right now? Where is he trying to deceive you? It's really not that bad. Go ahead. It's just you. I mean, who else is this going to hurt? Go for it. Doubt. Deception. And finally, the detour. Satan offers an alternative. 
to God's path. He offers a shortcut that provides what? Immediate gratification. How many of you have conquered that thing in your life? That's tough. I tell you, when this guy pulled out that top of the line vehicle, we had gone. You know, we we want to buy a car that's off the lot. You know, it's three year, two or three years old, so you'd get that depreciation knocked off the thing and all that. But I tell you what, when this guy pulled, and they always take you from that place up to the top of the line. When he pulled out that top of the line vehicle, I'm like, my goodness, I could have this today and get Kim another one. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So Satan offers this immediate gratification. He says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, mm, pleasing to the eye, that's good-looking stuff, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate. And now we're in the mess we're in. She also gave some to her husband, a doop de doo What you doing over there? Who was with her? And he ate. I'll have some too. He tempts us most often to fulfill. Hear me. Satan tempts us to fulfill good God-given desires. Do you hear me? God's given us need. He's given us thing, you know, things we need. He's given us desires that we have, good, legitimate, God-given desires. But Satan tempts us to fulfill those in unrighteous ways. It's a twisting of the truth. It's that detour. It's that turn. Man, do I go to the right or to the left? I'm a little confused right here. Oh, shoot, it looks good. I'm going to take a right. Eve had the desire to gain wisdom, which is a good thing. But Satan offered her a shortcut that contradicted what God had said and twisted what God had said. And God created sex, didn't he? Heck yeah. And he said it was good. And it is good. The enemy wants to twist that desire. And he wants to turn intimacy which takes time to nurture into lust, which is immediately gratifying. You see how he does it? God created our appetite. Now watch out, Phil, now you're meddling. He created food to quench that appetite. The enemy wants to turn that need for nutrition into gluttony. And he's done a great job of it in this country. I read this week, seven out of ten of us in this country are considered to be overweight adults. Seven out of ten adults in this country. Now, I, now I believe that scale's wrong. Not, not the scale that you're standing on. The deal says if you're 5'10 and you, you should weigh this much, I'm like, I need a little bit in case I get lost out in the wilderness. I mean, <laughs> I mean I'm serious. It's like, they tell me, you know, Phil, you need to weigh about 110 like who created that and so I think that's elevated to seven out of ten God created rest didn't he what did he do on the seventh day he said man this is good and he just said mm, that's good and he rested 
The enemy wants to take that good thing and turn it into sloth and laziness. And so for every good need and desire that God gives us, the enemy twists it and tempts us to fill it in an unrighteous way. Age-old template, age-old pattern. We fall for it time and time and time again. And he does it through doubt, deception, and detour. Just imagine if Adam and Eve would have paused and played that movie through. Golly, Pete. Satan wants you to be short-sighted when it comes to sin. He never wants you to fast forward to the end. Are you with me? Where are you being short-sighted right now when it comes to sin and temptation? Where do you need to fast forward a little bit and see where this is headed? And God is never in a hurry. He is never in a hurry. There is no record of Jesus running anywhere in the Bible. The willingness to wait... To wait because Satan uses our flesh and he connects it to this immediate gratification and that draws us in to a place of sin. The willingness to wait is a mark of maturity. When in doubt, wait it out. When in doubt, man, man I got a choice to make right here. And I know this, you know, it, it feels like a fight. It feels like a battle. What do I do? Where do I go? When in doubt, wait it out. Do not move in a hurry. Something looks too good to be true, it probably is. Step back, take your time, and let God speak into the situation. Kim and I, um, like I say, man, this car shopping thing, you, you know, yesterday, we've been at it for about two weeks looking, but we had to get one yesterday because we had no other choice. And so, uh, so we're feeling the pressure. And we're on, we're on the other side of town, um, out of Roswell, you know, looking at some things. And it was an all-day thing. It's like we thought that, you know, we had done our research and gotten over there and it wasn't what, you know, they kind of said it was, and they didn't have this, and they didn't have that, and, and we're getting weary. I mean, it is, and, and finally, you know, we, we literally, we went to lunch. I said, let's refuel, and we paused, and we prayed, and said, God, this is a big deal. You know, I mean, this, this is a big purchase. Give us clarity on this thing. Don't let us get ahead of you, and, and bring us to, you know, the vehicle that you want us to have. And because it was tempting at that point, you know, just say, oh, forget it, man. Let's go to plan B and, it, you know, let's buy that new one. Okay, I mean, it, have, anybody ever been there? Anybody ever gone shopping for a used car and come out with a brand new shiny thing? Yeah, yeah, it happens every day. And so, so we walked away. We walked away from it all. And we had one more vehicle that we were going to look at on the way home. It was here in Roswell late in the day. And so we went in and it meant... It was exactly what we had been looking for. And it was exactly what the car that Kim had, had been wanting for quite a while. Uh, the year was perfect. And the price was less than we had anticipated. And so, you know, just bringing God into that process and waiting it out and not getting in a hurry, He'll give you a way out. And He'll provide you with what you need if you will just trust Him. 
Now, we're getting it checked out by mechanic tomorrow. That could all change, but um, we'll see. Where do you need to do that today? Where do you just need to take your foot off the gas, <laughs> pump the brakes a little bit, and not make that decision that's pressing on you right now and invite God into the midst of it? Where do you need to do that? To take your time. Maybe it's a big purchase like we were facing. Maybe it's a relational decision. Maybe it has to do with your job or your retirement or your kids. I don't know what it is for you, but God is never in a hurry. When in doubt, wait it out. Give God time to speak clearly into that situation. Proverbs fourteen twelve says this, There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to what? Dead. Man, this feels good. It feels right. I'm pretty confident we're supposed to go in this direction. When we leave God out of the equation, there's a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to destruction. It leads to death. It's a detour. Remember, every temptation is based on a legitimate human need. A physical need, an emotional need, a sexual need, a relational need. And Satan hijacks those God-given needs. He twists them. He distorts them. And he points them down a path of destruction. That's how temptation works. Well, if Genesis 3 shows us how to lose the battle of temptation, Matthew chapter 4, if you've got your Bibles, flip over there. First book, first gospel in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 4, shows us how to win the battle of temptation. This is... As Jesus initiates his ministry following his baptism and right before he is kind of going at it full speed and getting into the healing and, and all then his teaching ministry, the enemy leads him into the desert to tempt him. And so Jesus was led by the Spirit, okay, the Spirit of God all right, leads him into the desert. Spirit didn't tempt him. Spirit led him there to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, I guess. I can't imagine 40 days. You can see where my problems lie. So he had, a, he had a legitimate human need. Jesus was fully man, fully God. He had a legitimate, he was hungry, Scripture says. And the tempter came to him in a vulnerable place and said, if you are the Son of God, what's he doing right there? Doubt. Doubt. Hey, if you are the Son of God, then just tell these stones to become bread. He knew he was hungry. Getting him at a weak point. He says, indulge yourself, Jesus. Go for it, man. I know you've got the power to turn these stones into bread. You deserve it. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so Jesus goes directly to the truth of His Father's word, and He quotes it to the enemy. So He brings truth to bear against the doubt and the temptation. And He exposes the lie. And then the devil took Him to the holy city, and He had Him stand on the highest point of the temple and he said if if he leads always in these tempting situations with that way if 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 you are the son of God 
If you are who God says you are, doubt, 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 doubt. He said, I just throw yourself down, throw yourself off of this wall, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift you up. So Satan now is quoting Scripture to Jesus. Look out. A lot of that comes from the pulpit, if you're not careful. So it's so important to know whose teaching you're sitting under. He comes as an angel of light. Satan says, For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. In other words, Jesus, jump off this, jump off this wall, man. You know, your dad's already told you that he's going to send angels to save you. you I mean, people will be watching this thing. You'll be a hero. You, you'll impress everybody with this trick. They'll stand, they'll cheer, they'll know how special you are. You'll be worshipped without actually having to suffer and die. He's sly. And Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Can you imagine that? Everything, all the good things the world has to offer. And he said, all this I give you, because remember, Satan is the prince of this world. He says, all this I give you, if you will bow down and worship me. You can have it all. You can have it all. Satan says, if you follow me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus responds each time with truth. He responds each time with the words of his Father. And that is our best defense in the midst of temptation. That's why it's so important that we know what the Father's words are. And then the devil left him. And angels came and attended to him. That's how we win the battle of temptation. Where are you being tempted this morning? Where are you being tempted right now? Doubt? Trust what God has said. And trust who God says you are. Deception? Don't buy the lie. Don't buy the lie. Know God's word and bring the truth to bear. Detour? And don't take the turn. Don't take the bait. Don't go in the direction that he's leading. Don't follow your flesh. Be led by the Spirit. Pause and play the movie through. Resist the devil, James said, and he will flee from you. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for the power that resides within us. Lord, for those who have by faith received Jesus for the forgiveness of their sin, your Holy Spirit takes up residence in us, and the Bible tells us that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us and actually lives within us. Lord, help us to remember that when we're tempted. Help us to bring truth to bear against the, the deception of the enemy. And Lord, give us power when we, we don't know what to do, Lord, just to stand. 
to stand in you and fight because you have promised us, Lord, that the battle is yours and you will fight for us. God, we do not have to give in to temptation. Even the, the things that we believe are, are trivial that we are tempted by, Lord, ultimately can lead us to a path of destruction. Help us, Father, to walk in your ways, to know what those ways are, and to stand firm against the enemy's schemes. Thank you for Jesus. And Lord, if there's anybody in this room right now who, who, who the enemy has planted doubt in their mind as to who Jesus is and, and, and what their path to heaven and a relationship with you really is, Lord, I pray, pray that you would drop those blinders from their eyes and you would draw them into a personal relationship with you by simply in their heart, right where they are, asking Jesus to forgive their sin and to be their Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father. You're an awesome God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.